Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 5, Term 1. We are now at Lesson 10. We're going to continue where we left off on page 8. <clears throat> We're talking about being blessed. Um, and Jesus said, um, according to Luke chapter 6 and verse 20, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And I said here, everything that comes with it. Now, for all those that believe that God wants you poor, it is important for you to understand that the Bible actually disapproves of poverty, <clears throat> with verses such as Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 9, saying, For if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. Isn't that something? Amen? And if that wasn't bad enough, God himself says in Isaiah 8 and verse 21, My people will be led astray as captives, weary and hungry. And because they are hungry, they will rage and shake their fists at heaven, and curse their king and their God. And isn't this true? When people are in trouble, they're not very likely to praise God. We usually praise God when everything is going well, when something miraculous and wonderful happens. Amen? And in fact, all through Jesus' ministry, uh, all the times that it said that they praised God, it was because something amazing happened. Not because something was taken away from them, but because something was added to them. Amen? And it says, and they all praise God. <coughs> So whether you're looking to be blessed spiritually or naturally, you have Jesus saying in Matthew 5 and verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And in Luke 6.20, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. I love that. Either way, you got it covered. Amen? If you're spiritually poor, yours is the kingdom of heaven. If you're naturally poor, yours is the kingdom of God. Both are yours. Hallelujah. It's because of such tremendous blessings available to us, that Jesus uses that particular Greek word for blessed uh, that means happy, fortunate, blissful, and so supremely blessed that in fact, congratulations are in order. Sounds like you won the lotto. <laughs> Something very, very, very good has happened to you. And it's so good that people want to congratulate you. That's what Jesus says. That's the way he wants us to be blessed. Amen? All right. Added to this, the Spirit-Filled Life Bible says that it is a grace word that expresses the special joys and satisfaction granted the person who experiences salvation and all of its subsequent rewards. Hallelujah. But of greatest importance is what John MacArthur says, and that is, in the New Testament, blessed is used to describe the kind of happiness that comes only from God. And so the readers know that God is the one who is blessing or favoring the person. Amen? And I think, you know, one of the things, family, is <coughs> it is important that people see the blessing in our life as coming from God, not just we worked hard, we got it ourselves. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Because then, you know, they'll say, well, I could do the same thing. Amen? But when things happen that are, you know, they start falling in that impossible realm, things that somebody else couldn't do and some and it happened for you that's why the congratulations are due amen that the congratulations be like wow how did you do that that's when you really need to resist the pride <laughs> okay well brother you know i'm so <laughs> okay no it's god you need to just say there are some things are just god man i mean we just trusted god and he did this amen and sometimes people won't take that for an answer can i warn you that some people will go no no, no tell us really what you do Hey, that's happened to me. 
And it's, what do you say about that? You know, they're, they're just thinking, no, 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 there's got to be a natural explanation to this. What was it? And you're like, uh, there isn't one and I don't have it. So go look somewhere else, <laughs> okay? You're looking for something, it's not here. You know why? Because people like that, you know, usually they don't want to uh, trust in God. They think it's a crutch, you know. So we're not those people, amen. One of the things that we also need to be careful of, and that is, you know, um, A, coming against people insisting that you're the one that did it and not allowing you to give glory to God, okay? And at the same time also, um, making sure that, you know, you're not, you don't ever get to the place where you're thinking, well, God did all of this. You know, what? like what David did. They always win the war, so why bother going? So what happens, he stays at home and he gets into sin and all sorts of bad things happen. And we need to be careful of that too. That, that we, you know, we don't get to the place where we're saying, well, God, you do this, you do that, and I'm just, saying, I'm just going to stay at home. Don't do that either. Okay, Beatitude number two. I said I'd try to get through this quickly, but I can't go through the Luke ones quickly, okay? Because you guys don't know those ones. All right. <laughs> um, we're going to follow Matthew's account, as I said before. And it goes on to say, Blessed are they that mourn, or literally grieve, for they shall be comforted. There's no blessing because you're mourning, so to speak, okay? <clears throat> you can't say, oh, hallelujah, I'm mourning. That's wonderful. That's not, that's not what this is talking about, all right? Because people read this, and, you know, they sort of end up going down this road of, well, you know, I'm being punished and tested and I'm mourning. You know what I mean? And I'm blessed because the Bible says you're blessed if you're mourning. Okay? No. The blessing is the other side. You're going to be comforted. You're not going to be left mourning. Hallelujah. Okay? Amen. Luke's account is, uh, we'll look at this in more detail. Luke's account is worded slightly differently, <clears throat> bringing out a different aspect of the same truth but to a wider audience, with Luke recording in the latter half of Luke 6.21, Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Now, that's, we, somebody needs to explain that to you, okay? <laughs> that's why I'm here. Okay. <clears throat> William Hendrickson compares the two verses and says, With most commentators, we see Luke's third beatitude reflected in Matthew's second beatitude. Um, you who weep now are, are they that mourn. And you shall laugh has the same basic meaning as for they shall be comforted. Alright? <clears throat> that being the case, then for sake of simplicity and efficiency, we will deal with both verses together. In tying this beatitude to the previous one, we understand that once you come to God, once you do come to God, acknowledging your need for Him and experiencing His unimaginable blessings, two things happen that may lead you to mourn, grieve, or even weep. First, you become a lot more sensitive in your heart and spirit, and therefore are a lot more susceptible to being hurt by others uh, wronging you, whether directly or through personal attacks against you, or indirectly through attacks against those you love, including attacks on God Himself. <coughs> That's a mouthful, okay? Sorry. Alright. Um, <coughs> do you want me to explain that? or The, the, the more sensitive you become... So the two things here, the more sensitive you become in your heart and your spirit, that's one of the things that happens. You let your guard down. As you get to God, you know, you need to confess your sin. You need to acknowledge when you do wrong, all those things. That, all the things that you had walls up with, you know, at one stage in your life. 
because you were the master of your of your castle, whatever wreck it was. Okay, you know, but you were the master of your castle, and you know you had your walls up, and you didn't let anybody storm your walls, and you know you just stayed there safe, and you just didn't show anybody any kind of feelings, and you know you were never wrong, and you know all those things that you just keep yourself protected doing. Uh, and then one day it says, well, you know, the only way you're going to receive anything from God is you acknowledge things. And you think, well, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to put myself in a place. See, the reason is, what, what they're being told is they need to learn to trust God now. Okay, people can take advantage of, of you, but God won't. What He's looking for you to do is acknowledge your, you know, your deficiency so that He can actually strengthen them. Not so they can point and laugh. Amen? And so, <clears throat> the way to strength is to admit weakness to begin with. And then, do something about it. Let God change you. Let God develop you. And so, but that is a road, once you begin to take that road, you, are, you become very, very vulnerable because you, you get into the habit of being honest. Because you're being honest with God. And then you let your guard down, and then you know, somebody just jump, bites your head off. You know, you, you, people can say some very bad things. And while you're trying to be honest and you're trying to be, you know, truthful. And <clears throat> this is one of the, the, the problems that a lot of Christians face when they first uh, get into this, uh, this area of trusting God. Can I say that? Okay, alright. So that's what that, that part means. Or, you'll find that you become attached to people, that, you know, you start to care. And so if somebody does something to somebody, you, now you care about. Normally, you know, there was a time you didn't care about nobody. Somebody dies, like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> we reduce the population, you know, whatever. Okay, <laughs> now it's just like, oh, no, that's, that is a bad thing. And then you start to take on the cause of others. You know, and because we pray. Because we can't pray if we don't care, <laughs> okay, so to speak. I don't mean care in a negative way, but in a positive way. You understand know what I'm trying to say, amen? And so, so this becomes an issue as well. And so this is, these are some of the areas that, you know, you start, so I guess getting into that causes you grief, that causes you to start to mourn, okay? Because that, that was, that's one of the things that the prophets did in the Old Testament. They would mourn for the sin of the people. Not that they were doing anything wrong, but they would stand before God in place or, you know, um, in the gap for the people, so to speak, and intercede for them. And they would be mourning and in, you know, ashes and sackcloth. And while these guys go and do crazy things. And they're, you know, they're standing there saying, please God, don't kill him today. You know what I'm saying? Just let him live another day. They'll probably come to their senses and repent or whatever. Okay. So that's what that's talking about. Are we good now? Moving on. Secondly, you also become very aware of all the hurt you've caused. This is the other side now. You've caused by the wrongs you've committed against others. And so regret all the mistakes you've made throughout your life and all the people you've hurt along the way, including the Lord himself. Now... <clears throat> This is something else that happens. So not only do you become you know, someone that is very sensitive to other people attacking you, but then you start to realize the things that you've done to others. Because you know, sometimes you start to see the attacks that are coming against you in light of what you've actually you've done the same thing to somebody else. And you think, oh, how horrible I was. You know, and I shouldn't have done that, and I shouldn't have said those things. And, and that begins to happen. That's a good thing too, to a degree. Don't live in it. Just, <laughs> okay? Just realize that, that you are a bad person. And that God has rescued you and God has brought you here. And the next time you see a bad person, don't kill them. Because you are that person at one stage. And you need to pray for them. And you know, pray that they'll have the same journey you've had. And they'll come to this place as well. Amen? So there are things that we can use from our past 
to help us to understand people and not become self-righteous. There's a real problem for people that haven't done a lot wrong or they think they haven't done a lot wrong. Like the Pharisee, you know, that says, I've never done, you know, okay, all right. We have to be so careful that we don't ever go down that road. The Full Life Study Bible, in its commentary, makes the following observation. To mourn is to grieve over our own weaknesses in relation to God's standard of righteousness. That's one thing. <clears throat> it is also to mourn over the things that, God, that grieve God and to be afflicted in our spirit over the sin, immorality, and cruelty manifested in the world. Okay. <clears throat> We're starting to get into the place now where we begin to understand that as a Christian, you know, as you begin to look at th- the world around you, there are things that you just think, wow, you know, those things should not be happening. There are some horrendously bad things that are going on out there. I mean, we are so blessed to live in this country. You know, as much as we might have financial struggles, they are nothing compared to the horror that some people are living in day in and day out. You know what I'm trying to say? And so this is something that, you know, where once at one time it was, you know, something across the other side of the world and who cares? Okay, you know, we don't see it. The, it, something happens, you know, especially as a Christian, and you begin to see other Christians suffering as well, you know, and you begin to realize that, you know, if you've done it to the least one of these, you've done it to me, Jesus said, that this is the Lord suffering, in their, in their suffering, He is suffering as well. And so it causes us to grieve over things, it causes us to say, God, what can I do? And, you know, again, you may not have money, but you do have faith. And faith is currency in the spirit realm. Do you hear me? You've got more currency than you realize, and you can start spending that, and you can start using that. And the amazing thing about using faith is it gets bigger with more you use it, okay? You don't lose out, you actually grow. And you can start doing things and begin to see miracles taking place. I, I have just got to the place where I don't even think about it anymore. I, you know, I see something wrong, I just pray straight away. It doesn't take anything to pray, family, you know? And I don't pray, you know, straining. Because, again, you know, come back to the, you fill the pot with water, God turns it into wine. You know, it, you, you do your thing, He'll do the rest. You open your mouth and you speak the things that He needs you to speak, He'll move. Angels will begin to move. And you don't need to see it. Somebody say amen. <laughs> okay, you know, I think a lot of times we, we pray and then we go, so what happened? Did anything happen? Don't look. It's none of your beeswax, you know. Keep going. You, you know, you trust God. You, amen? I could say more things, but I'm going to leave it there. Amen. Hallelujah. Alright. So, <laughs> let's go back now and look at the last, uh, the last thing first. And that is the wrongs done against God that cause us grief and sorrow. We find an, exa- an example of this in Psalm 69 and verse 9, where David writes, Passion for your house burns within me. So those who insult you are also insulting me. This was actually a prophecy. A lot of what David wrote, you can, you'll see in the Messiah, in Jesus' life, and the things that he said. What was the first thing that Jesus did? You know, not in John's Gospel, but the other ones. In John's Gospel, he turned water into wine. But the, in, in the other Gospels, the first thing that they all record him doing is cleansing the temple. Do you understand? Because he saw what was going on in that place and how wrong it all was. 
the first thing that he did as far as this stuff was concerned. Because remember with, in John's Gospel, you know, when Mary asked him to do that, he said, this is not my time. This is not the time yet. I need to do something still. But, you know, it was his mom in the natural and he respected her. Okay, interesting, isn't it? You know, that people say, well, no, I'm just going to, you know, disobey my parents and because, well, bless God, I, I want to follow God, not, you know. Hey, man, Jesus did both. Amen? Amen. Because he wanted to mark the beginning of his ministry with this one thing. The thing that Nicodemus was going to come and say, nobody does stuff like this unless God's with them. You know, Who goes and clears out a temple? Nobody. Jesus did. No, it happened twice, and both times it was Jesus. That's it. And then the temple didn't exist, because the Romans came in. Anyway, so... <laughs> Okay, so you understand that, that that was the thing. This is what David is prophesying. Passion for your house burns within me. Those who insult you are also insulting me. They were insulting God in the way that they were treating the court of the Gentiles and in their selling and their bartering and ripping people off. You know, it's one thing to, to provide a service. Okay. And it would have been something that God would have honored if they did it in such a way that, you know, if people came and they said, well, you know, I, I, I can only afford this. And they say, you know what, don't worry about it. Take this. You need this. Whatever you have is enough. Go from there. Because otherwise they've got to carry the sacrifices, you know. And they didn't have a truck. You know what I'm trying to say? It was donkeys. And boy, you don't want, you prefer walking than riding one of those things. You know what I'm trying to say? So it, it's kind of like, it was a service that would have been good had they done it right and in the right place. Can I put those two together? Okay? But again, you know, it wasn't done properly and it wasn't done in the right place and that's why it was an insult to God and it hurt Jesus what was going on. Remember, who were they worshipping in the temple? It was God. Who was in their midst? One greater than the temple. Added to this, we also have Ezra saying in Psalm 119 and verse 136, Rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law. Man had a revelation, amen, that if you kept God's law, it benefits you, it blesses you. You don't, and it will just lead to ruin. You know? and, and those that truly understood that, truly understood the danger and the, the predicament people were putting themselves in whenever they walked away from God's word. Amen? All right, Jesus himself expects anger. So this is where we're going to see it. Uh, and disappointment regarding the misuse of God's holy temple, a place meant to be reserved for prayer and worship that had been turned into a house of merchandise. With John chapter 2 and verses 14 through uh, 17 saying, In the temple area he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep and doves for sacrifices and he saw money changers behind their counters. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and the oxen, scattered the money changers, coins on, over the floor, and turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here, don't turn my father's house into a marketplace. Do you see that? Interesting that he didn't turn over the doves in the cages, because he would have hurt them. Interesting, isn't it? To them, he says, get them out of here. Take them out. Verse 17, then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures, see, quoting Psalm 69 and verse 9, passion for God's house burns within me. Amen? So that was a prophecy that, that David wrote and that 
they remembered when Jesus was doing what he was doing. So these are things that, that can hurt you. These are the things that will upset you. And there's a blessing. You will be comforted. Amen? But you need to understand that there, there are things that will hurt you, that you are not a person that will travel through this life you know, uh, not being hurt and not being um, affected by things around you. And you need to be affected by things around you in order to do something, but not to the place where it immobilizes you. Are you all with me? Amen? <clears throat> all right. So next, let, next let look at the area of mourning and weeping that makes reference to all those times when we have been wronged by others. That was certainly the case with Joseph, who was sold by his brothers into slavery, and who would have definitely had the thought, how could they do this to me? But instead of becoming bitter and vengeful years later, when circumstances were reversed and his brothers were at his mercy, he says to them, and this is in Genesis 50 and verse 20 uh, and 21 I'm going to be reading. He says, but as for you, you meant evil against me. Uh, but, and the literal text says, God turned it into good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Did I say it? Yeah. Now therefore do not be afraid, I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Wow. I think that's pretty awesome. Amen? Amen. Um, <clears throat> do I need to say anything about that? Let me just say this. Maybe just one thing. We need to be careful when we read something like this. That, it, that we don't read that God made his brothers act in an evil way and cause him to you know, try to kill him and get him sold and lie to his father, okay, who broke his heart, okay, all of that stuff. You know, amen? Okay, we know that's not the truth. We know that what we need to see from this is that regardless of what people try to do, God had showed Joseph that he was going to be doing this. But the journey could have been a whole different journey. Okay? Um, God started to lead him. God gave him uh, you know, a dream. And I believe that God would have continued doing that through the rest of his life. Things would have been happening. And trust me, we would have had a whole other story, but it would have been a very different narrative. But when we look at the, the life of Joseph, the, the lesson learned is this. No matter how much the devil thinks he's got the upper hand, no matter how much he thinks he can come in and just destroy all of God's plans for you, if you stay true to God, God will still pull you out of wherever you fall into. No matter how cruel people are to, to you, no matter how much they plan and scheme, you will still come out ahead. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And especially in a world like today, we need to know that. We need to know that regardless of how much people... Because you know, we have this quandary... The quandary is this, God doesn't um, override people's wills. So He can't stop them from being horrible to you. You know what I'm trying to say? As much as we pray, and you know, uh, amen. I, <laughs> I've dealt enough with people out there to know if they want to be horrible, they'll be horrible. Doesn't matter, angel come and drop on their head, they will just be horrible. Okay? And you all know where they're going. Okay. <laughs> anyway, but, and you don't pray for them to go there. You just, you know, okay, just understand that it's not going to be without consequence. But the thing is that, you know, when we run into those problems, then we have this thing of God. What's the point in praying if they're, you know, if you're not going to override their will and they're going to be horrible anyway? 
The praying is so that God can work around all these horrible people, just like he did with Joseph, and keep pushing you to the top. Wherever you are, you'll be pushed to the top. Some way, somehow, you'll get out of it. Amen? Regardless of all their plans. Because he'll do something supernatural for you, and through you. Amen? Something that nobody else can do. See, that's why you, know, you need to be walking in things that are uniquely God, so to speak. And so that when people look at you, they go, wow, this has to be God. Amen? Amen. That's why I said that before. Okay, let's get back to this now. I, I think I've said enough there. So here we, uh, we clearly see what Jesus meant when he said in Matthew 5 and verse 4, Blessed are they that mourn or literally grieve, for they shall be comforted. And in Luke 6.21, Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. You know, I reckon Joseph had a bit of a giggle. At some stage when he saw how the tables uh, turned, that he was in a position of power and they weren't, you know, his brothers. And it would have been, you know, you know, you know I'm trying to say, kind of have that little smile on your face and go, wow, this is just wow, okay, (laughs) you know. And they don't, they probably didn't even recognize him, you know, because the Egyptians, anyway, we won't go there. Uh, But it was just, I think he was in a good place. And whether, he, whether you laugh out loud or whether you laugh on the inside, you still get to laugh. Amen? Amen. Your end is joyful. So there's no doubt that Joseph had the last laugh in this situation. And that will always be the case when God is allowed in and allowed to work on our behalf, which requires us to keep a good attitude and not become bitter and angry and vengeful. I should have underlined all those. Okay? <laughs> okay? All right. That is the greatest temptation that we always must resist. The temptation to get angry. The temptation to get bitter. The temptation to get vengeful. Amen? Always walk in love. And just leave it all alone. <clears throat> in fact, even the apostles in the New Testament, after they were arrested for performing many miracles, miraculous signs and wonders among the people, in Acts and verse 12, that was a quote. It says that the high priest and his friends who were Sadducees reacted with great joy and said, this is an amazing... <laughs> no, they didn't, okay? I mean, they did miracles. You understand a miracle? Something impossible. And you would think that people would look and go, wow, this is amazing, but No. This is what they do. Say the high priest and his friends who were such reacted with violent jealousy and arrested the apostles and put them in jail. And it goes into, I abbreviated all that. And it goes to say in Acts 5, verses 40 through 42. And they called in the apostles and had them flogged. Then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus, like they're going to do that. And they let them go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing. Wow. That God had counted them worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. Would we do that? I don't think so. We're like, well, bless God, I'm finding myself another religion. You know, this one ain't working so good. <laughs> I'm joking, okay? But you know what I'm trying to say, man. <clears throat> the temptation is great. You do something awesome, and then you get attacked for it. What's generally the lesson? Let's not do anything awesome anymore. Seriously, I mean, that's how most people think that way. You know, the self-preservation kicks in really strong. And they think, you know, forget this. 
Amen. But I want you to notice, see how they see things? They see it half full, not half empty. They say, wow, God. Can I tell you what this... Let me give you some insight here, because you guys need this right now. Do you know what they're seeing? They're seeing all the riches and the, the blessings that are waiting for them in heaven because of what just happened. If they didn't get beaten, they wouldn't have as much reward waiting up there as they did after. Because the attitude was right. Because they wouldn't quit what they were doing. Because people can beat them as much as they want, they'll still keep doing it until they drop dead. They'll keep doing it. And in heaven, the, the riches are just piling up and piling up. Remember, that stuff is forever. Do you understand? That's why it talks about the, the, the homes and the things that, are, you know, that the apostles have. And, you know, there's some gorgeous things up there waiting for you. Listen, whenever you get tempted to walk away from all this stuff, because it's getting too hard, just re- remember what's waiting for you up there. Amen? Amen. Okay. That's when you can rejoice. I reckon that's what they were rejoicing over. As much as, you know, they got to suffer for Jesus. And every day, in the temple, and in their homes, they continued... See, they didn't listen to them. They continued to teach and preach this message... The Messiah you're looking for is Jesus. They said, don't ever preach again. Yeah, sure, whatever. (laughs) Now, can I say what's also missing there? Notice what's not there. They didn't stand up to the council and say, okay, we won't do it. Neither did they say, no, we're going to do it. We're going to continue preaching. So whatever you say, we're going to do it. You know, they didn't say any of that stuff. Do you know that's where people get into trouble? People can't shut up. Somebody says, stop doing this. Instead of just smiling and walking away, go, well, I'm not, you can't stop me from doing this. I'm going to keep this. Yeah, then you're about to die. Well, they were martyred for Jesus. No, they were stupid. It's like, <laughs> do you know what I'm trying to say? God resists the proud. Did you hear what I said? That is a pride statement that says, you can't tell me what to do. The apostles never said that. They just smiled and waved and went and kept going. Kind of small bump in the road, and we're going again. (laughs) Do you see what I'm trying to say? Don't say anything. Just go do what you need to do. Stop advertising it. That's what I always tell people. Just stop advertising. Okay. Notice that they did not wallow in self-pity and ask, why God, why? Like so many Christians would have done today. Instead, they rejoiced and continued preaching God's word. All the more passionately. Alright, well, let's pray. Let's conclude for today. And we'll pick it up in the rest of that sentence. Well, Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Father, for this.